Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. Today our study is in the book of Acts, chapter 22. Here's Pastor Ryan. Heavenly Father, we thank you again this morning for your wonderful love towards us. Lord, that you would care so much for us that you would give your only begotten Son as a sacrifice on the cross for our sins. Lord, we pray this morning in the name of your Son, Jesus, that you would open up our hearts and understanding to your word, that you would give us humble hearts, remove pride from us, for you say you teach the humble your way, but the prideful, you resist them. So Lord, we pray for your grace and your humility and your instruction this morning. Be glorified. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say, Amen. Okay. So Paul, the Apostle Paul is making his defense before the crowd in Jerusalem. He has made it back there at the end of his third missionary journey. It was his heart to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with his countrymen, the Jews. And they're there at the festival of Pentecost, many pilgrims. The Lord had warned him that in Jerusalem there awaited for him troubles. And troubles have arisen for Paul without a doubt. There were pilgrims, Jews from Asia that had seen and heard Paul preach up there in Ephesus. And they stirred up the crowds and cried out against Paul and and cried for help from all the people there to arrest him. This is the man, they said falsely, claiming that Paul spoke against the people, that Paul spoke against the law, that Paul spoke against the temple, and furthermore, that Paul brought a Gentile into the inner Israel Israel court of the temple and so they laid hands on him and began to beat him to a pulp and had not the Romans heard the ruckus they would have ripped Paul to shreds but it wasn't God's plan that he would be martyred at that moment so the commander and the Roman troops with him the Roman commander they came down and they rescued Paul at the last moment Taking him to the barracks, Paul spoke to the commander and said, and he spoke to him in Greek, and the commander was shocked. And he told him that he was a Jew, and he told them he asked for permission to speak to the crowd. And when he was given permission, he began to speak to the crowd in Hebrew. And there was a great silence, and Paul began to share his testimony on how Jesus changed his life, how he is indeed the Messiah of Israel, and That's where we were last week, and we did not finish, so I'll just recap. In the early verses of chapter 22, Paul tells them that he was a Jew like them, born of Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in Jerusalem at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of their father's law, and was zealous towards God as they were. He persecuted Christianity, he told them, to the death binding and delivering into prisons both men and women and also 
The high priest, he said, bore witness of him doing these things, persecuting Christians, and that they gave him letters to go as far as Damascus to bring them back to Jerusalem so that he can punish them. And so in his testimony, he tells them that he was just like them. He was zealous for God. He was religious. He was Jewish like them. And he persecuted the church. So he was just trying to connect with them, letting them know that he was just like them. And then in verses 6 through 11, he begins to tell them about what happened next. And what happened next, it says that one day as he was traveling to Damascus to arrest more Christians, the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to him in a great light from heaven. And Paul fell down to the ground, trembling. And Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So Paul answered, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Arise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all things which are appointed to you. And so that's a beautiful story. One of the best in the Bibles. Amen? Someone so radically against the Christian faith. Yet, in one instance, Jesus Christ got a hold of him. It's interesting how that takes place in a person's life, is it not? How we can be so against the ways of God. But then hear his message, and by God's grace, it clicks one day. And we realize we were very terrible towards God. And that, that's the whole world. Not just Paul the Apostle, Saul as his name was before. Not just me with my background or yours with yours. The whole world is condemned under sin because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Men think that they are good. People will say, I'm a good person. But the Bible tells us clearly that there is none that's good. No, not one. Only God is sinless. And so if everyone has sinned, then everyone is guilty without the blood of Jesus Christ. And the guilt for our sins is eternal death and punishment. This is why... Paul's story is so powerful. This is why our story, if we have accepted Christ, is so powerful. Because one day we were going one way against God, living for ourselves. But then one day the Lord knocked us off of our high horse. This prideful, you know, high idea of ourselves that we don't need to live for God, but that we can live however we feel is right in our own hearts and then we justify ourselves by saying as long as I'm a good person God will receive me there are no good people but God and that's the story of the gospel if there were good people then why did Jesus come and die for our sins he came because there was no other way there is no other name given under heaven by which man can be saved but the name Christ Jesus he is the only means of salvation and it says, you know, in Paul's story, he fell to the ground and trembling because the glory of the light from heaven that shone from our Lord was too bright for him to handle. Paul could not see for the glory of that light. And he was led by the hand of those who were with him because the Lord said to him to go to Damascus 
And there he would be told all the things which are appointed for him to do. But he had to be led there because he could not see. And so Jesus' light was so powerful, guys, it blinded him. We are told that no one can see him and live. But isn't that strange? Because we know he was, he was, he died on the cross, was buried in the grave, and was raised from the dead, and was seen by Cephas, Peter, the other apostles, and he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. They beheld him, they touched him. Thomas put his hands in his side where they speared him in his side, his hands and his feet. They beheld them, but how could they see him and still live? Paul would write to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 15 through 16. He says concerning Jesus, he, Jesus, who is the blessed and only potentate, which means sovereign, he who is the blessed and only potentate, the king of kings and the lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. So Paul says he has an unapproachable light. And so we can, we can gather that his resurrected body that they beheld was not his fully glorified body that he has in heaven. Because that would be so bright that it would illuminate the entire world and eclipse the sun. That is the power of Jesus' presence in heaven. Powerful. Revelation 21, verse 23, it says, The city, that's the new Jerusalem, that's heaven, had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. Isn't that amazing? The Lamb is its light. And as we read Saul's story of conversion and how he was blinded by that glorious light. I mean, Moses didn't even see it. He just saw the train of his robe and he came back all like he was, went through some radiation or something. He was glowing. Moses was glowing just because he saw the train of his robe. He could not see him and live. And so it's important for us as we study Paul's testimony to remember how powerful the light of Christ is. It is amazing, powerful light. And it blesses me to be reminded of that because Jesus did say in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus says he is the light. That if we believe in him, if we follow him, that we no longer walk in darkness. That is the self-life, the self-worship, the sins of this world. We no longer live the way we used to live, but we walk in the light of his life that is in us. He is a glorious light. But then he says concerning that light, he turns to his disciples and he turns to us that belong to him. And he says, you are the light of the world. So he goes from, I am the light, but now you are the light. Paul the apostle was spiritually blinded. 
when he was going after Christians to arrest him. He was spiritually blinded his whole life up until he saw Jesus' glorious light. Then his whole life changed at that moment. He was spiritually blinded until he saw that light, which made him physically blinded, but spiritually he was a new man. And that is what Christ comes to do. He comes to awaken us spiritually. He called us to be born again. Because of the sin of Adam and Eve, we are born spiritually dead. This is why the Bible says that when we were dead in our trespasses, Christ died for us. So people are born spiritually dead. And the only way to be spiritually alive and awaken is by faith in Jesus Christ. And he breathes on us. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And when we believe on him, we receive the Holy Spirit. Now, all of a sudden, we're no longer living for what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, and what we're going to wear. Now, we're concerned with, what does God think? What does God want me to do? How is God doing today? Man, I love God. Man, I want to talk to God. Someone who's born again, that's, that's what it looks like. It's someone who cares about God more than themselves. Paul was spiritually blinded even though he was religious. And how many people are spiritually blinded that are religious? I mean, you cannot even touch some people's traditions. Not even Jesus Christ himself can change a person's tradition in some cases. They're so ingrained. It's so familia. It's so tradition. It's so religious that even God himself cannot say, no, no, no. I have a better way. They're, they're so close to that. Paul was that way until the Lord touched his life. But Jesus would say in Matthew 5, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus desires that we are not closeted Christians. He doesn't want Christians to be fearful to display what they believe. And it's important more than ever because we live in a society that is condemning people for their true beliefs. Everyone's trying to be woke. Everyone's trying to please the mob rather than stick to their, their convictions that are right. And I read this week somewhere that right is right even if no one agrees with it. Right is always right. And wrong is always wrong even if no one agrees with that. It's not about what the crowd says. It's about what God says is right. And Jesus wants our light to shine. Doesn't want our light to say, okay, in front of some people, I... I dim it because they'll be offended or they won't be my friends if I stick up for the light. No, this is who we are. And we need to remember that. His light is powerful. And the only hope for the world is if they see his light through us. He said, I am the light of the world. Now you are the light of the world. Let your light out. Let it shine. Don't be hidden. Turn with me to Luke 11, please. Verse 33. Jesus is speaking of the same thing, you are the light of the world, but with a little bit more 
information. In Luke 11, verse 33 through 36, it, it, he says, No one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but on a lampstand, that those who come in may see the light. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body also is full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light as when the bright shining of a lamp gives you light. Jesus instructs us instructs us keep your eyes good keep your eyes good keep in other words we need to keep our focus good and our gaze should be upon the lord as we focus on him his beautiful wonderful characteristics begin to come into our hearts as we spend time with him, looking at his word, meditating on his word, praying to our God. His light comes into our eyes and changes us from the inside out. And that's what we need to be really careful of, where our focus is, how our eyes are. Are our eyes focused on people or are our eyes focused on his word? Are our eyes focused on our emotions or are our eyes focused on his truth? What are our eyes focused on? God forbid they're focused on wicked things. As David said, I will put nothing, nothing wicked before my eyes. We need to be careful to constantly watch where we're focusing our lives and our attention to if we focus it on the lord the light in us will be bright but if we neglect our relationship with our lord then darkness will set in and that darkness can cannot change anybody's life it is only the light of christ in us and through us that he will use to enlighten this crazy and dark world we're in. They need to see his light. Again, Moses came down glowing like crazy after spending time with the Lord. It is evident when we spend time with the Lord. People see it. And so back to our text. And then he tells them how a certain Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good testament with all the Jews who dwelt there, he laid hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour, he was healed. And Ananias said to Paul, The God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will. So the Lord used Ananias to confirm and affirm Jesus' plan for Paul's life. He was blinded physically, but he can see finally spiritually. 
He's praying and Ananias comes as a representative of our Lord. He was reluctant at first because he had heard of Saul's persecution of the church, but the Lord said, he's praying to me. He's a chosen vessel of mine. You're going to lay hands on him. And that's what he did. He laid hands. He affirmed God's calling upon Paul, which is very important, no doubt, to Paul. Why in his testimony can he say, Ananias laid hands on me. He was a devout man. He was a good man. He wasn't a crazy dude. He, was, he, wasn't, a, he wasn't a sinner. He was, a, he was a man who loved God. God used him to affirm, to confirm me. Paul would need that because in our callings, the enemy lies to us and says, you cannot be called. You cannot be called because you're not pretty enough. You don't have that Joel Osteen smile. In fact, you don't look very Christian-y to me, and you don't look very pastoral or deaconish to me. You don't look much like a children's uh, teacher. That's what he does. Constantly accusing. Constantly trying to break us down. And perhaps Paul struggled with that very thing. I mean, how many times in his letters does he have to write, I'm an apostle by the grace of God. If you didn't know, I'm an apostle by the grace of called by our Lord. Because they saw him and they said, nah, he's not. His letters are powerful, but he's a short and not too apostle looking apostle. And I love that we are who we are by the grace of God. I don't want professional preachers on TV to be the standard of how a man of God looks. I don't know how we're supposed to look. I just know we're supposed to be loving and gentle and sweet and bold. And That's why I like that Apostle movie that came out, the Apostle Paul. That dude looked like he came out of a construction yard. Like he's been building tents his whole life, bald, big beard, in a dungeon. That's my kind of apostle. And I was able to go to his jail in Rome and see where him and Peter were held. Remember our Lord Jesus, homely. His appearance was not one that would have blown people's minds. He was normal looking. So it's good to be able to say, Pastor John Stewart, a devout man. Pastor Jerry Brown, a devout man. They laid hands on me, and I too received my sight, so to say. I have to be able to tell you that's where I come from, so that you're comfortable with who I am, so I'm comfortable in my skin in Christ, because the devil keeps saying, I'm not pretty enough to be pastor. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. Hope that ministers to someone. Give me an amen. <laughs> I think of what Paul told Timothy. Hey, God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I think about what he told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on on hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Let your progress be evident to all. Let your calling be sure to all. 
the calling that was given to you by the laying on of hands by the eldership. And Ananias laid hands on him and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. Imagine saying that to someone who's blind. Brother Saul, receive your sight. And he could see. And then God commissioned him and and uh, he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you, that you should know his will and see the just one, and hear the voice of his mouth, for you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now why are you waiting to rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord? And then we begin in verse uh, 17. Now it happened. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I was in a trance. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolette Street in Banning. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and just hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Chapin, above.